Hello, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today I have the pleasure of having Karen Worcester, the Executive Director of Wreaths Across America, with us. Hello, Karen. Good morning. Nice to have you here. Um, Maine certainly has a lot of great things, but Wreaths Across America is one of the greatest, so really pleased to have you. Um, I thought I would just start by letting our audience know a little bit about uh, Wreaths Across America and yourself by reading uh, your bio, which is on the webpage. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, so Karen Worcester is the Executive Director of Wreaths Across America. Immediately upon the creation of Wreaths Across America as a 501c3 nonprofit organization in 2007, Karen Worcester was chosen for the position of Executive Director by the Board of Directors. With over 35 years of experience in the administrative stewardship of the various Worcester family enterprises, Karen is well known as a passionate champion and spokesperson. As a co-founder of Wreaths Across America, Karen tenaciously works on ways the organization can best remember the fallen, honor those who serve, and teach our children that our freedoms are purchased at a great cost. Equally passionate about her family, Karen is a mother to six children and nine grandchildren, her favorite hobby is participating in and preparing for equestrian events and tending to the family farm. So that's quite a bio. Karen, again, thank you for uh, taking the time to be with us this morning. Well, thanks for having me. Those those things always sound a little more glamorous than they actually are. But I'm very excited to be here to talk about Reads Across America because it certainly is a passion. Well, that's great. And, and, and we're happy to have you here. As I mentioned, I, I did visit your website um, wreathsacrossamerica.org prior to um, this call, this podcast episode. And I thought it would be uh, worthwhile to read your mission statement. Uh, your mission statement as listed on your website reads, each December on National Wreaths Across America Day, our mission to remember, honor, and teach is carried out by coordinating wreath-laying ceremonies at Arlington National Cemetery as well as at more than 2,500 additional locations in all 50 U.S. states at sea and abroad. So, obviously, for those people that are familiar with Reese Across America or who will be getting familiar with it during uh, this episode, it's a significant undertaking that you folks do every day, uh, well, every year, and you work at every day. My understanding is you've been doing this, actually, for about 30 years. Your family has been laying wreaths at Arlington National Cemetery. That's really special for me. My grandfathers and my grandmother, Briar, are both buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Section 25. Um, I've been there several times myself. Uh, An incredible place. All Americans should take the time to go visit if they haven't already, because it truly is... um, just remarkable. Uh, is really not really a way to describe it without experiencing it for yourself. The fact that you folks have been going there and, and laying, you know, wreaths for 30 years on all of those gravestones, including my, my grandfather's and, and my grandmother who's buried with them, is certainly appreciated by me and, you know, millions of Americans. Um, so how did this tradition start? Let's talk about that for a second. When did this begin and how did it begin? Well, it, we we never really set out to start a, a movement that it's become. Um, we've always been, our family has been in the holiday wreath business, um, gosh, since in the 1970s. And um, in, the, in that particular year of 1992, um, my husband had uh, overbought wreaths. They used to be, at the time, wreaths were a cottage industry, so people made them in their homes and brought them into us and we bought them and sold them into the market and he overbought at least a truckload of wreaths and uh being a very patriotic person he he didn't he wanted to do something meaningful with them and uh you know there was no market he recalled that um he had won a trip to Arlington as a paper boy he was a paper boy for the Bangor Daily News when he was only 12 and won the trip to Washington, D.C., and they visited Arlington. And he didn't serve in the military, but he always had raised the kids and and was very pa- to be very patriotic and appreciative of what we have. So 
he just on a whim, he said, maybe I could just place those on the graves at Allenton and just as a thank you from the family for what we have. So he got a hold of Olympia Snow and she made some calls and lo and behold, we were actually given permission to take those wreaths to Allenton. And of course, we only had 5,000 and um, there are many more burials than that at Allenton, but they they uh, put us at a section, uh, section 27, which is one of the oldest sections. And my husband took uh, a couple of local people, we met up with the Maine State Society folks down in, in uh, Arlington, and it took them all day to place those wreaths. And what happened that day uh, was life-altering for my family because as my husband and the, the volunteers, as you walked among these graves and you placed a wreath on a grave, you, you couldn't help but say in the name it's um, actually, there are a lot of civil war burials in that section, a lot of unknowns, but um, just to see the age of some of these people that died, you know, serving the country, um, it, it was impactful and it was, it became very personal. And so when they got home um, for days after, they would keep saying, oh, I read this name and I read that name. And and you wonder about this person's life. And we just decided then as a family that we would always go back if they would let us. And so as a family, we took 5,000 wreaths. We had a Bluebird Ranch Trucking Company out of uh, Jonesboro, Maine, would, would haul them for nothing for us. And they would just take a handful of people and put them on. We did that until 2005, just as a family. And um, in 2005, a photographer from the Pentagon was in the cemetery and saw what we were doing and took a picture and it went on the Pentagon uh, online newsletter and it went viral. And um, my husband is a, he's kind of an old fashioned sort of guy and he has an email, but he never used it. He literally never used it, uh, posted on the business website and he got thousands thousands of emails by the by January of 2006 and the mail started coming and people just were sending money we get you know open mm -hmm. an envelope and it would just say want to help an unknown soldier and it'd be like five dollars in the envelope mm -hmm. and we, it just went nuts that people saw that and felt like we did you know they wanted to show that appreciation mm -hmm. so um we actually, as a family, we had to hire somebody to start returning all this money, you know, to people right. that were sending it in. And it just continued to grow. And um, so I, I learned so many things. I learned that I thought there was one national cemetery. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know the difference. I learned so much. And we we get calls. I can remember one day being in the office and, and my husband took a call and he started crying. And it was from somebody who had lost a, um, a buddy in Vietnam and just called and said, you don't know what this means, that somebody is going to remember. And he's yeah. buried at Allenton and just sobbing. And so it just, it snowballed. So by, by uh, so that was in 2005 when the pitch was taken. So by the time we got ready to go to Arlington in 2006, so much had happened. We had, been listening and reading these letters and listening to veterans and gold staff families and uh you know blue staff families and what was important to them so we decided we'd send as many wreaths as we could so the way we decided to do it was to have ceremonial wreaths so we had a wreath for each branch of the military plus one for pow mia and we just sent them to everybody that wanted to have them and we decided if we were going to send them we should all say a few words together and everybody that got, was getting a wreath said yep let's do it at noontime on this day and um then we got calls from people that said when you go to Allenton could you stop at the school and it we're like okay we'll, we'll try to do that so and then the Patriot Guard riders called us and they wanted to escort us to Allenton it just snowballed it wasn't hmm. anything that we did it was just like we opened the door and everybody came in with all these emotions. Um, so we, it was crazy when we got to Allenton that year, which usually they would just drive right down right back. It took a week. They took a whole week and they stopped at schools and communities. And I, I remember, um, and 
getting a call just before we got to Allenton from the cemetery, and they had over 70 news media from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And that's how big it went that quick. And it it, it just happened. And um, so in 2007, uh, the cry for, for people wanting Marie's was so great that we we got some advice from a few other people, and we formed a 501c3 Reads Across America. And the mission to remember, honor, teach came from listening to those veterans and people that were reaching out to us. And, uh, it's, we, you know, we've stayed very true to the mission and it's grown, um, about 30% a year ever since wow. we became a 501c3. And this year we'll, we're actually up to 2,900 locations this year. We grew locations even during COVID and, um, we have close to 2 million volunteers, a third of whom are kids. And we're on track to place about 2.3 million rings this year. Incredible. So it's, it's incredible. But you, you had uh, said earlier about, you know, what, how busy we are. And what, what I have to say is this is a, it's like we call it Reads Across America family all over the world, literally, because every one of 2,900 locations has a volunteer location coordinator. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband, and of course Worcester Reese is separate from Reese Across America now, but he still donates the ceremonial wreaths. So anybody in, in any location can have a ceremony. But to place individual wreaths, they go out and get sponsorships. $15 will, will sponsor a wreath anywhere in, in, at a, one of our locations. And these little communities go out in their local cemeteries and make sure that their veterans are honored. Mm-hmm. And they keep that mission. They reach out to the community, but it's not about decorating rings. We say, always tell them, and it came from my husband that very first time, how we couldn't help but read the names. We say, we want them to read the names because we believe this. And this was given to us by an old veteran a long time ago. Actually, uh, it was given to, from an old veteran to somebody who worked for us. Let me get it right. And he gave it to me that we believe that you die, a person dies twice. The first time when their heart starts beating and the breath leaves their body. But the final time is when the name is spoken for the very last time. So we feel very strongly as you place a wreath and say the names, it keeps the memory of that individual who sacrificed alive. And it also keeps an opportunity alive for us to teach our children about what real sacrifice is. And teach is definitely the biggest piece of our mission. Amazing. I, I, a lot of things going through my mind as I listened to what you just um, told us. And, you know, one of the, the things I, I started with before you, dis- you, you explained the background and, and what you're doing is just the sheer awesomeness of a visit to Arlington National Cemetery and how impactful that is. And, and obviously your husband completely got that like most people do when they go there and and he acted upon that and i I would say that you know the reason you've been able to do what you've done is because it it is such an incredible um history and 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 uh, debt that we owe to all all the veterans and and so it really means something to me to hear how that affected your husband you know as a paper boy um you know many years ago when he visited for the first time and that stuck with them because I can certainly, I feel that way too. Um, I served in the army, nothing spectacular, but I was, I was in, my father was a Navy pilot, but my, like I said, my grandfather's buried there. And the first time I went to Arlington National Cemetery as an adult, I wanted to find his grave. And so I had to go and get the map and, you know, they tell you what section, but they don't tell you exactly where. So mm-hmm. I, I spent a good hour uh, walking, you know, reading the names, just looking mm-hmm. for <clears throat> the name that I would recognize, my grandfather. So it was very emotional. But, you know, when you read those names, like you're describing, when you go walking to Section 25, you go by all the other sections. And like you said, there's Civil War, there's, you know, there's generals, admirals, there's, you read um, what's going on and, and what people have done and just the... Uh, the whole nature of the experience is incredible. And and to your point, I, I took my daughter, she's nine now, but I took her there for the first time when she was um, seven. And uh, it was very impactful to her too. Uh, you could just see 
a child understanding what was going on. And, um, you know, we found my grandfather's grave again, and she still took a little bit of time, even though I kind of remembered where it was. And you, you read all these names and you realize what these people gave um, to our country and you see all those stones and there's just so many of them. And it's, uh, it's really overwhelming uh, to some degree. So you've done a, an amazing thing. Um, certainly, you know, well-respected and anyone who's listening, uh, if you haven't been to Arlington National Cemetery, and there are other, other um, veteran cemeteries, as you mentioned, um, but but Arlington is a very special place, and it's it's definitely worth uh, taking time to go there. And, and, and thank you so much for what you're all doing. Uh, so the mission of Wreaths Across America, remember, honor, and teach, it's so meaningful um, to so many. You, you want to just talk a little bit about that specifically and, and why that resonates with people and why it's something that's so important to your organization? Well, I will. And first, I want to say to you, thank you for your service. And it is a big deal. And one of the things that's so important about our mission is, is we came down to three of the most important things. Remember, we have to remember. We have to remember sacrifice. We have to remember what these people gave up, uh, you know, in, over the years. And, and we, we don't talk about the conflict. We talk about the courage and the character of the American people, especially those willing to step up and fight and honoring those that serve and their families and the sacrifice that families make because they all serve. Everybody in the family serves. N not in the same way that it used to be. Back in World War II, the whole nation served. Now you have less than 1% of the country mm -hmm. takes care of defending the rest of us who for the most part can be fat, dumb, and happy and not realize what's going on. So then you come to the teach piece. And why it's so important to take your children to into these cemeteries because it's their history and it's their heritage. And when they realize that, when they take that moment, and for parents, it's great too because whatever we are not completely non-political. Everybody that served is honored. But when you, as a parent, can stand there at a grave and have your child place this wreath with you, and you can teach them from your perspective about this great country. But they need to know that this country is great and they need to know what makes it great. And what makes it great is exactly what these men and women that we honor are, the courage, the character and selflessness and service to others. And that's an opportunity to teach. And that's what's so important about Reads Across America. Recently, I, I had the opportunity to interview Roger Donlin. Roger Donlin was the first Medal of Honor recipient for the Vietnam War. And he actually received his medal way back then. So it's been what, almost 60 years now. And he's had an opportunity to go all over the world speaking and, and talking and motivating kids and been with the Medal of Honor Society for a very long time. And I asked him in this last interview, what what is the most important thing that we need to do as an organization? What, what do we need to do as a country? And he told me that the most important thing is to teach our children to love our country. Because sadly, we're too busy as a nation. We don't take time. And people are so far removed from that, that teaching them just exactly what the cost of freedom is. You know, they say freedom has been bought and paid for, but it isn't. There's, there's a, it's an ongoing thing, there, as we just found out, you know, recently with, mm -hmm. with those young men and women. Mm -hmm. We haven't been given freedom. We've been entrusted with freedom. And to secure even our children's freedom, we have to teach them what it means, what it costs. And it, so they're ready to be entrusted with it as a next generation. Having doing something tangible for them, like letting them place that wreath and maybe write down the name of the individual they're honoring and go look up and find it. It makes it personal. So to me, the teach piece of what we do is so, so, so very important. And to to go out as a community and place those wreaths, it really does something. You know, it it pulls people together and just for a few minutes we forget all the you know, the fighting and all the things that are going on and we come back together as a country It's and you come back to something we can all agree on and that is the service and sacrifice and the importance of what these families have done for us. And that's what makes it important to me. 
Yeah, boy, you really, you're really saying some powerful stuff, and it's right on. And um, certainly, we could use a lot more of that type of thinking and remembering in this country um, at all times, and and I think particularly right now. So, great points. And um, you know, the teaching part it goes on. You know, I'm I'm actually in Pensacola, Florida now. Um, spend my summers in Maine, and. This is a military town. We've got the Naval Air Station here. Blue Angels are stationed here. Um, there's a military Barrancas uh, Cemetery is here. I'm sure that's one of the uh, places that you place wreaths. It's not on yep. the Na- Naval Air Station. Um, got some parents of some friends of mine that are buried there. But right at my daughter's school, uh, one of the things they're doing uh, in uh, early November is that each each elementary school, each child gets a star and they have to bring it home and um, if they want, they can um, decorate it and write on it and dedicate it to a specific veteran. Uh, and it can be anybody. And so we've been doing that for a couple of years and we'll continue. But that's part of the teaching part um, that I think that, you, that you're talking about, to let the young people know um, that, that this isn't all free. And, um, and you're right, less than 1% of the people now um, in the country uh, are serve and a lot of them aren't even eligible. We've, you know, become out of shape and just different things. And uh, hopefully, we can. That was a, that was actually a topic of a previous podcast. Uh, how the, the lack of qualifying to serve, even for those that want to, mm-hmm. you know, has gone mm-hmm. down, and that might affect. Um, yeah, I think there's a one of the. We do so many teaching things, and during during COVID, we one of the things we we did a couple of things that were really well received, especially as kids were home and they were able to get an opportunity to share, you know, parents to share some of these things. But we, we did a series with uh, Gold Star Mothers about mm-hmm. the lives of their, the lives, not the deaths, but the lives of their children and how they lived their life. And mm-hmm. the common thread was they all found a way to serve their community, their country. And we don't do that so much anymore. You know, we don't teach civics in school. We don't teach community things everybody is it's kind of like it's every man for himself or their own special interest group and we need to have a better foundation and that foundation is there it just needs to be revealed and taught to our children and um so we did that and then we actually we did a round table um dealing with uh ptsd issues Mm -hmm. you know it's not only did just one percent of the country serve but we we send we send people into battle and it's a different battle but it's a terrible battle and then we don't teach them and we don't teach ourselves how to incorporate them back into communities so they go from a a community where everybody's got each other's back and you know as you know from serving that it's the camaraderie and then to come home to um work situations where it's dog eat dog and and we we really need to look at our families and patriotism begins at home and then goes to community so we spend a great deal of time giving people opportunities to do that bring themselves back to family something the family can do and something the community can do together and we're going to be announcing some great um programs for kids um in january working with uh, the Rosie the Riveters um, Mm -hmm. and some of that idea of what back in World War II because literally everybody served and everybody gave up something rationed or time spent and we need to do that the country can't be looking to people at the top to heal us we need to look at within our families and within our hearts within our communities and uh you know, join ourselves back together because we need a firm foundation for these kids to stand and grow on. Well said. Just uh, you're really saying some powerful stuff today, and, and it's impressive. And really appreciate again everything that you folks are doing and, and the way you're going about it. So keep up the good work on all those fronts. So the wreath laying is held annually on, I guess it's the second or third Saturday of December. This year, it's going to be December 18th, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You start in Harrington, Maine, and you go all the way to Arlington National Cemetery. Um, and that that event, that particular, uh, you know, driving to Arlington from Harrington, it's become known as the world's largest veterans parade. You stop at schools, monuments, veterans homes, communities along the way. And you remind people how important it is to remember, honor, and teach as you're, you're doing here today. 
logistically, what goes into that annual event? How is it all coordinated? You know, when do you start planning for it? And just tell us a little bit about how the logistics work. Well, we never stop planning <laughs> because it is huge. And we actually, a mission, although it's very focused on placing the reads, is a year-round mission. And I will tell you, the, the logistics piece is huge. Um, as I said, this year we'll have about 2,900 locations. Um, most of the people don't do, do their fundraising until uh, late October, November. So uh, there's a lot to process as sponsorships come in. And, um, I, you know, I, there's so much to say about the logistics. It's just throughout mm -hmm. the years, people are going out selling sponsorships. And I, I do want to take and just say one of the things that's helped us to be so successful is that we work with other like-minded organizations. So mm -hmm. we have a program that we, where, um, for instance, a VFW, if they wanted to use that program as a fundraiser, um, they do $15 sponsorships. We'll bring a wreath for every $15 to their community, but $5 will go back to the community to help veterans causes. And to date, we've done over $15 million. It's gone back into local communities and to help other veterans causes and community issues, because we know that veterans don't live in a bubble. You can be a veteran and still have a kid with childhood cancer or, you know, all the issues that families have. So we do that. Um, so that's a piece of the year round that we do. Um, as we're going to Arlington with our trucks, and I think there are about 60 trucks that will end up going into Arlington, um, there are over 500 trucks that are gearing up to go to communities all over the country. Some of those trucks end up, they end up taking the rail to California and the logistics planning piece of getting the reeds delivered and getting them to the communities on time so that they have them for Reeds Across America Day. And I, it would be wrong for me not to uh, shout out to the truck driving industry and the trucking industry because 90% of our reeds are delivered by volunteer trucking or we couldn't do that. We, uh, you can't even right. imagine the cost. It's, right. The cost to deliver a wreath is way more than the cost to make a wreath. Of course. So, um, so the volunteerism, and that is, for me, what is so big about Reason Across America, because people throw their hats and souls in it. It's it's not, Allenton has always been gotten the focus, but it's repeated, even the convoys. There are communities that will plan so that mm -hmm. when their delivery truck comes into their community, they get escorted, because they realize that these are um, volunteer deliveries, and um, my son, um, my oldest son and his wife actually do volunteer to head up the logistics and it's, it's something. And, uh, now the trucking industry has volunteered their, um, you know, their computer systems and their tech technology that helps them with, uh, that delivery system. So there is a lot to it as far as the plan and the actual events. At 2,900 locations, mm. that that's planned by those location coordinators, and they do amazing events. It, you know, it, to to go out, you should just go. You won't ever just go once to a Reason Across America event. They they make sure that all of the military are on, and they bring the children together. It, it just turns it into that time, and uh, it's it's not about a holiday. You know, they're not going. It, it, they're mm -hmm. going. But there's not a special date that's set. It's, you know, it varies from year to year, but people take time right at the busiest time of year. And I, I can tell you when I've been at Section 60 at Arlington many, many years in a row. And Section 60, for anybody that doesn't know, is where most of the current conflict, mm -hmm. the young men yeah. and women are buried. So when you go there, what you see is a little bit different because you'll see families. Yeah sitting at a grave with little children running around playing and putting yeah. stickers on daddy's grave mm -hmm. and to have, um, and, I, and I'll just share a quick story if I can. I remember a few years ago, my husband and I were, the reeds had been laid and we were down in section 60 and this young woman, um, she had two little kids and she, she recognized us and she came up and those kids were all bundled up in their snowsuits with runny noses and she had the littlest one on her hip and the little boy, mine been four or five, he was that old and maybe not even that old. And she came up and thanked us and said how much it meant to her to come there and to see thousands of people there. 
and what that meant, but she wanted her son to show us his daddy's grave because he had put the wreath on his daddy's grave. So mm-hmm. I'm like a mess trying not to cry, you know, in front of the child. And so we walked back to the grave and I'll never forget it because you've seen the pictures of the wreaths up against the front of the mm-hmm. grave and they all look alike. But this little boy wanted daddy's to be different. So it was laying flat on the top of the stone. And when I saw that, I just literally burst into tears. That was their time. That was their holiday with their dad. And we were there with them. And that was the impact. The wreath is the catalyst. That's all it is. It's That's something that brought everybody together, something tangible, that they could put their hands on it and put it on that grave and just bring people together. And um, the logistics piece is so difficult and i'll tell you we just pray every year that everything goes all right last year that everything changed because of covid we don't know what's going to happen this year but the logistics is done by a lot of volunteers we have a a staff this time of year about 35 people wow uh, which isn't a lot of people for 2900 locations no not when you do the math uh, so I will tell you, a lot of the heavy lift goes to the volunteers. They are fantastic. They work all year long to make sure that their their uh, services are are you know there are criteria. They can they have to be non political mm-hmm. and non denominational, all inclusive, and just teach the right mission. So it's a big, big, big lift. Um, we have a lot of volunteerism. A lot of like I said, the trucking, uh, helping with. Uh, you know, the delivery pieces, like I say, sure. it's huge, the technology that's been offered to us by these trucking organizations. And even um, the the outreach to trucking that is done by volunteer, like um, the radio stations, the trucking radio stations will mm-hmm. help us reach out to uh, endless drivers. So, you know, it takes a lot of people. And I think that's why it's so special. People can give what they have to give. You know, we love to see the sponsorships. But if you can't do that, you can... And you can, and you're a truck driver, you can, you know, take a load of wreaths or if you're somebody in the local community, you can do something just as simple as making sure the local veteran gets an opportunity to be taken to the cemetery to participate. And sure. it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, family affair, I think, is how the logistics gets done. Everybody really does feel like they have skin in the game. And so they give from that. Well, what, what an undertaking on the truly national level. Um, to put all that together, you know, I thank your volunteers, your, your truck drivers, the people that donate their their trucks or their time or their energy or their money. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you couldn't do what you're doing at this scale without that type of help. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. Uh, for them to do it, it just shows how special um, what you're doing really is. And thank you for sharing that, that story as well. I, I do personally recall on both of my most recent visits to Arlington, um, seeing uh, at Section 60 burials going on, um, you know, so I've, I've been, you see it, you see the families and the horse comes by and I've had to stop on the road while I was walking and, and, um, and, and watch some of that. So definitely a, an emotional time that, that really brings it home as to, uh, you know, not, not only what's gone on over all the years as you look at all those gravestones, but you know, Section 60, certainly what's going on uh, in today's world. So, again, thanks for sharing that. So how many wreaths have been placed to date? I think you might have mentioned it, but let's just just quickly. How many? Well, I, been, mm-hmm. well, I want to thank you because I had to, you know, I, I don't know why. We've been around a long time. And actually, this is the 30th trip my husband will make to Allenton. Hmm. Um, and um, I had to make a couple calls and have some people do some math. But it's... um. It's right around 12 million um, today. And we, like I say, will, uh, and, and it's grown so fast because, you know, the, for a long time it was 5,000 reeds and then, then it started growing. And this year um, we will do around 2.3 million. So it's, uh, wow. it's grown. <laughs> it's wow. grown. And like I said, the most important thing is we're going to say 2.3 million names and lift them up and, uh, hopefully connect some kids and, you know, some, just, just by virtue of being in the cemetery and meeting goal staff families. And, you know, these are, 
I, I, I will never forget the first time I met Goldstaff families, Goldstaff mothers, and and um, had an opportunity to just, I met like six six Goldstaff mothers at once. First time I ever met Goldstaff mom. And uh, I was worried about what I was going to say to them. And they just came in the room and they embraced me. And within minutes, they were talking about their children and what their kids did and how proud they were of them. And I was talking about my kids. And I remember after they left, I, I got in my car to drive home. It was quite late in the evening. And I ended up pulling over on the side of the road and just breaking down in tears because I realized that they were talking about their children who had died in service to country. And I was talking about my children that I could go home and say goodnight to. And I realized in that moment how very much they're not different. They're just like me, except mm -hmm. their kids paid the ultimate price. And all they ask for us, all they're asking is that we remember that they lived not that they died, but they lived, and the kind of people they were are the kind of people that need to be held up to our children as the kind of Americans to be, live up to their legacy. That's what we need to do. Absolutely. And, you know, not to uh, uh, keep talking about my personal connection to, to Arlington through my grandparents being buried there, but while, while I've been talking to you, I opened up on my computer here my favorite picture. And... Um, it's a photograph that was taken in World War II, and it's uh, my grandfather and four of his friends or, or uh, fellow soldiers. Or it's a black and white photo. They're, it's got a big anvil, a coal furnace. They've got acetylene torch. They're all standing there looking at the camera. And he wrote on the back of that picture, 69 at Charlie Beach, 21 days plus D-Day. I'm in charge of a blacksmith and boiler repair gang. The worst is over for a while. And he he mailed that photo back to my grandmother, who was living in Ohio. So I have it framed. It's been, been blown up and everything. And I have the original. I have the original in Maine um, preserved. But, you know, I look at that photo. I look at those five guys. I read those words. Um, and, you know, the sacrifice that so many people have, have, have given to this country. And um, it's just... It's just amazing. So I really personally appreciate everything that, that you folks are doing and, and everyone that's involved in your organization, which tens of thousands of people, uh, hundreds of thousands, yeah. probably over time. Yeah, it, it takes yeah, it takes a lot of people. It really does. And, you know, I listening to read that story. You see, so many kids today don't have that connection. Mm -hmm. They really don't because just because of the way life is now, it's not the same as it was even when I was a kid. You know, I remember my my uh, grandfather um, lost part of his foot and ended up then having his, uh, you know, his leg amputated. And but we all took care of him and we all heard his stories. And my dad was in World War Two, and you know, I, so we had that. We had that, you know, passing down and sharing of the stories. And then it, it, it's gone, you know. And kids need to know that they need to know these people and need to claim it as being personal. That's how we get back, getting back to what Roger Donlin told me to teach our kids to love America. They have to know, you know, kids today have to realize they have to blot out some of what they're hearing. You know, the stories yeah. that they're hearing now about America's time is not so great. This is still the greatest country on earth and it is because of its people. And we yeah. need to instill that in our kids. You, you, you know, Absolutely. this is the greatest country and that what makes it great are its people. And, and every country will make mistakes because people can fall down. And even in, in well-intentioned, they might be the wrong decisions. But you can't question the character and courage of men and women that are willing to step up and serve. And who's going to care for this country going forward if we don't start showing our children, shining the best light we can on the best story that we have? And that's the history through the stories of these men and women. And that's the opportunity of Race Across America. And, and I would encourage people, you know, people are, are hearing on the news, oh, you're not going to get your Christmas presents in time. One of the best things you can do is sponsor a wreath in, the, for, in your family's name. And then go out to the cemetery with your kids and place a wreath on a grave and take time and look around. That's a gift of remembrance and the gift for your kids' future, the best $15 you can spend. And it's a wonderful thing to do for your family. 
Absolutely. And, and to your point, um, you know, one of the visits I, I paid to Arlington, I brought someone with me who's from another country, um, uh, from Colombia, and they had never seen anything like that. And for, for them, as a foreigner, not really knowledgeable about the United States, it affected them, like in a, in a way that they positively uh, just admired and respected America and, and looking at all those gravestones and, and, and the way the whole place was run and, and um, you know, the changing of the guard and everything, it, it impressed them and impacted them. And they told me that it was, a, I don't want to know if they, they didn't say life-changing, but it was a tremendous experience for them. And it made them understand why America is looked upon in other many other countries as a, as a shining light because of what we've you know brought to the table in terms of sacrifice and commitment over you know all of these one of the many years one of the best uh, one of the thrills of a lifetime for my family and for my children um, of course COVID put a stop to it but we were able to finally after years and years of trying we were able to take Reese to Normandy mm. and uh, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to do it but. The impact for me, um, we had a family, the Look family, right in our local community who had two sons buried um, overseas. And mm-hmm. my grandchildren were able to take wreaths from Maine, right from this community, and place them on those cemeteries overseas. And we made sure, we, we always make sure that they have ceremonial wreaths. But for this one time, we were able to take wreaths over there. Mm-hmm. And the vast numbers of men and women that you know talk about the greatness of our country our men were over there fighting for somebody else's liberty right. you know and how many parents kids didn't come home their mm-hmm. bodies were buried they, they were laying rest in another country and that speaks volumes and there's lessons there for all of us as a country it certainly and is just talking about them one individual at a time and, you know I, I go back to uh we say their names, and even that's not enough. We need to tell their stories because, you know, I I just uh, I met a young Medal of Honor recipient a short time ago who uh, Leroy Petrie, I think, I believe I get his last name right, but he he actually, uh, you know, even though he was wounded, he a grenade came into the the bunker, and he picks up a grenade and t- goes to throw it out, and it blows off his arm and his hand, and, but he still was able to tourniquet his arm and get to a radio. To, to, and this is a current conflict. This is a young man. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, my God, could we could we stop messing around with what we're teaching <laughs> our kids and show them that this man, he, he went there for country, and then he put himself in harm's way to save other people. That, that heart to serve, to serve the greater good, to serve for your country and for other people is what's missing in today's society. We need to get back to that. That is what will make us strong, is that love for each other and that love for country. And I, I get very emotional about it because there are a lot of voices. It seems like the squeaky you know, wheel gets mm-hmm. the oil here, but the, the steadfastness of what we are is in the stories of these amazing men and women who are out there fighting for us every day and their families. And uh, it's not enough, you know, to, and I actually had a, a young veteran tell me that because I'm like, Oh, you know, I always thank veterans. Look at me. And this young veteran said, you know, that's great, but it's not enough. There are so many, look at 22 a day committed suicide right. because we're failing to understand um, how to help integrate them back into our community. So those are things, so I hope people will go to readsacrossamerica.org because those are things that we do. We have a fantastic newsletter that addresses the issues, and we are always putting out the information from other organizations, how to get help in the community for PTSD or, uh, uh, you know, Veterans Choice and pl- things like that that will help um, sure. for people who are down on their luck and things that the VA doesn't necessarily cover. So. Yep looking out for community that way. And those are things that we push all the time. It, it's more than just, it, we do more than just laying reads. The mission truly is to remember, honor, and most importantly, teach. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you again so much. So 
Wow. Uh, in 2008, Congress gave REITs Across America some formal recognition. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, it was a surprise to us, but I believe 2008 was the first time that they voted unanimously, which is quite impressive, isn't it? <laughs> that mm-hmm. they voted unanimously. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, that uh, the day that we lay the wreaths would become uh, National Wreaths Across America Day. And they actually have done it every year they, um, because it we do have to move the dates around now mm-hmm. logistically wise for mm-hmm. people so they're able to get their wreaths down but they've done it every year since then. And uh, honestly, there has been some talk about, uh, because it's been a lot of years now, about actually making Reads Across America Day a holiday. And as for a family and an organization, we don't want that to happen. What's special about Reads Across America is that it's not like a designated 4th of July when everybody gets a day off and everybody pulls out their flag. Because it's just what people are doing because they want to do it and it's the right thing to do, it, it's very special. And it's only important as long as it's important to the people who are doing it. So we appreciate that gesture. It's it's nice. But what we appreciate most is, like I mentioned earlier, that at the busiest time of year, people take time off. I mean, you talk about December 18th, a week from Christmas. I'm sure people have got stuff to do. Right. But they take the time and come out. And, you know, um, I think it was, it's been three years because of COVID. But they, it was like four years ago. We had a sunshiny day at Arlington National Cemetery. 90,000 people showed up at Arlington. Well, they actually stopped counting at 90,000. <laughs> showed up to place raise. And I dare say they were, and then get emotional again, because I was standing up on the women's, uh, women's uh, museum there for women at Allenton. Yep. Mm-hmm. On the top and watching the people come in. And I remember thinking, they were all being respectful and walking in together. And I'm saying, you know, there are Republicans and Democrats and there are Christians and atheists and there are all different skin tones and all different beliefs and all different histories. And here they come together to say thank you right and it's an example of what can be done if we get back to those basics i certainly um, hope certainly hope we can and what an amazing story and um, you know from a paper boy taking a a visit to a veteran cemetery as a child to to what you've explained that goes to show that what you teach your children what you show your children you know he didn't he didn't think about that for many years, I'm sure. But that's why right. when we go and we make these convoys and we, you know, we love to have the motorcycles and the sirens and, and we make, you know, we have people come in and, and do these things at the cemeteries because, you know, a kid can be standing there as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old. Sure. But you know what? It's going to sink in. They're going to remember, teach them, put in their hearts what you want them to know. You know, you don't have to teach them what exactly to think but you need to teach them to think and to look at what what's surrounding them and that's how we make them better citizens and that's how we ensure our freedom going forward remember we're only entrusted with freedom it's not ours to keep if we don't take care of it absolutely absolutely so um your website wreathsacrossamerica.org you know i checked it out several times before this episode it's extremely well done. Tremendous amount of information there. Um, you've got an online store for people that want to buy branded items, you know, clothing, hats, uh, Christmas tree ornaments, etc. Lots of information on how people can uh, find out if they want to help with delivery. You know, if they have a truck and they want to participate in, in helping delivery, how to sponsor the wreaths, how to volunteer. You know, anyone listening, whether you want to volunteer or not, take take a few minutes of your time. Go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. Check out all the opportunities they have there, how you can help. Um, like Karen said, whether it's a $15 wreath sponsorship or, you know, any of the other ways that you can volunteer or assist. Um, you know, obviously, as we learned today and, and, and as Karen's talked about, it takes a tremendous amount of people to do all this and it's just incredible to actually hear i mean i've, I've known about wreaths across america for quite a while um, but this has been very um, 
informative, uplifting, inspirational, uh, just amazing. I think we have 72 or 73 episodes of Mainly Matters to date. Um, we've got audience in 20 different countries, um, around 13 or 14,000 subscribers right now. It seems to be going up a couple thousand a month. But so hopefully all those people will hear this message. They'll share it. Uh, just just fantastic um, what you're doing. Before we go, and wrap, I want to wrap it up because we're running out of time here. This has been so great. <laughs> um, but, but I want to ask you, you know, what if you had to pick you know, one thing, what's the most rewarding aspect of Reese Across America for you and the volunteers who make it happen? What do you think the... If they had to narrow it down to one, one thing, what do you think is the most rewarding aspect? I, for me personally, the most rewarding aspect is that I have gotten to meet and my grandchildren have gotten to meet some of the most incredible people in the world, some of the greatest Americans, and they're not TV stars. It, it's like I said, like meeting a young Medal of Honor recipient and his family and just firsthand having my kids be able to meet these Gold Staff families. And if everybody's kids had that opportunity, which you can have, I will tell you, if you go to a Reach Across America ceremony and go online and find where they are, and if you don't have one in your community, we'll help you start one. But bring those people into your lives Turn off the TV and bring those people into your lives, and it will it will just give you hope and pride. And we just live in the greatest country in the world. And I am so blessed every day to be able to work with people that understand that and are lifting us up and lifting us up with the full intention of making sure that our children have a better future. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Karen, for coming on today. Thank uh, your entire organization, all of your volunteers, uh, your husband <laughs> for getting it started. Uh, the stars aligned on something extremely impactful um, to a lot of people and an important part of this country. I think your message is, is spot on. And uh, just once again, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciated it. Thanks for having me. Okay, so this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters. We'll be back with a new episode soon, and thanks for stopping by.